It's 6 Eastern, 3 o'clock Pacific. Why aren't they in jail right now? They brutally attacked a New York City police officer. Coast to coast and around the world, from the America Out Loud talk radio studios. Our criminal justice system is upside down. It fails every day. It's time for The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. As we enter what I believe is the most important election we've ever had, From the outside looking in, how can one not believe or think that the Republican Party is in shambles? The RNC chair, Ronna McDaniel, recently announced she'll be stepping down after the South Carolina primary on February 24th. The Republican-controlled House of Representatives proves over and over again they only squander their power. I'm Booker Scott, and thanks for joining us here for The Truth Be Told on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This hour is brought to you by my partner, Gold Co. Just go to BookerLikesGold.com to see if you qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. The D.C. Circuit Court handed down a ruling yesterday in the court case against Donald Trump in favor of Special Prosecutor Jack Smith. And at the same time, Judge Cannon handed down a decision that favored Trump's team in the documents case in South Florida for that Mar-a-Lago raid. Remember that? We'll welcome South Florida attorney Eric Matheny in just a bit to help us understand what these rulings mean. Also, we'll have a discussion with founder of PrecinctStrategy.com, Dan Schultz, another attorney. And, And what exactly is a precinct strategy? We'll find out all the details, but it's basically a grassroots effort to help people like you and me become precinct committee people. A precinct committee member, they're the voting members of the party who represent their community and make up the foundation of both political parties. Fewer than one in 100 members of a political party can be the internal voting members, and parties can't exist without the influence and power of these precinct committee members. We'll get Dan in here, and he'll go through all of it and explain it to you. Now, back to the dumpster fire that seems to be the Republican Party right now. And really, the Democrat Party, they're not a lot better. They're both in a mess, and yet it's what we have to play in, in our two-party system that's forced on us. And that's another show in its entirety. I could talk an hour about that alone. The failure of the Republican House to vote to impeach DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas leaves me scratching my head and shaking my head and just wondering, what's the point of having these bozos in power? I think it also says any hope for accountability coming for Joe Biden and the Biden crime family is zero. None. Nada. You're going to have to start believing that because that's what's going to happen. Hunter Biden fails to appear for a subpoena, makes a joke about it, humiliates the U.S. House of Representatives by having a press conference arranged by Congressman Eric Swalwell, and he does that in front of the Senate. Nothing is being done there. While Peter Navarro, from the Trump administration, was put in leg chains, convicted, and sentenced to four months for ignoring a congressional subpoena. It's all a joke, folks. And I don't want to get into the Navarro case, but I would say that he had good reason to stand against that subpoena. 
because that had to do with him having private conversations with the President of the United States, which happened to be his job. Byron Donald got into an exchange this week in a hearing over Hunter Biden with Jamie Raskin and AOC about Hunter Biden's failure to appear. And I think he had some pretty good points. Oh, look, let's be very clear. This isn't about Hunter Biden's white privilege. It's about Hunter Biden's Democrat privilege. Because Donald Trump Jr. showed up for five congressional subpoenas. There was never this circus where he was subpoenaed by House Democrats and he showed up on the Senate side or showed up at the White House to answer in some fake, phony, lame press conference, not actually going to the House and doing what he was compelled by a subpoena to do. Hunter Biden did that. And then he has the unmitigated gall to show up here when we know that he's, we're going through actually the, the legislation for contempt with, by the way, Mr. Chairman, we should actually get to the legislation of contempt. The speechifying is great, but let's do our business members. Um, he has the gall to come here, show up. And then when the Democrats are saying, hey, he wants to speak, he leaves. This is a joke. This is a farce. The man has been subpoenaed by Congress. Oh, and by the way, the January 6th committee, Mr. Raskin, which you did sit on, by the way, that was not a normally ordered committee of Congress because Nancy Pelosi did not want the Republican members that then Leader McCarthy put up. According to the courts, it was. I spent my time, sir. Will you yield for a a correction? I was respectful of your time. I didn't say anything. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's move forward with our business. He should be held in contempt. There was a subpoena. He did not answer it. Any other American will be held in contempt by Congress. Any other. This is Democrat privilege of the highest order. Let's do our jobs. I yield. I won't be holding my breath there, and I hope you don't either, because that's not going to go anywhere either. All of the energy and effort to expose the Biden crime family will be for nothing at the end of the day, and the control of the House will be for nothing also. I know, I know, I sound black-pilled, but let's look at this Republican-controlled House. Here is the truth. 16 votes to elect Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. And, by the way, he's retiring from Congress now, but I saw this week he's going to spend his life's work now to get those that went against him out of office as he backs candidates to oppose them. And also, this was funny, uh, Matt Gates. He posted this on social media this week where he said he fully supports Kevin McCarthy as the new RNC chair to replace Ronna McDaniel. You can't make this stuff up. What do you think? Are, are they in shambles? The Republican House added $3 trillion to the national debt by increasing the debt ceiling while they preach about the power of the purse. They failed to have a budget. They were flat-footed and they kept kicking the can down the road with continuing resolutions to fund the government. Then they vacate the chair, but nothing has changed. Uh, Now we get to Mayorkas. The head of the Department of Homeland Security has repeatedly said the border was secure. Really? Is, Is that what it is? He said that under oath, but now even the Democrats know and admit that the border is wide open, it's a crisis, and it's a mess under Joe Biden. Who will be held accountable? Four Republicans in the House stopped the measure from passing. Three voted present, while one voted against it on procedural complaint. So where does it go now? Well, the Republican Majority Leader Steve Scalise was not present for the vote due to cancer treatment, and there will be another vote when he gets back. But should we believe that the result will be different? Oh, and one other thing. 
right after the failed Mayorkas impeachment vote, Speaker Johnson's standalone bill for funding for Israel, that $15 billion bill, that also failed. And that's sort of my point about the Republicans. They can never get together on anything. Nothing. The result is failure. And ultimately, the American people continue to pay the price. Kentucky Congressman Thomas Massey put this out on social media Wednesday. Getting rid of Speaker McCarthy has officially turned into an unmitigated disaster. All work on separate spending bills has ceased. Spending reductions have been traded for spending increases. Warrantless spying has been temporarily extended. Our majority has shrunk. The Democrats can impeach on a rumor. They pass 4,000-page bills without knowing what's in it. The Republicans? They're in shambles. There is no widespread election fraud, but we keep hearing about these cases and arrests all the time about election fraud, mail-in ballots, paying people to vote a certain way. It's truth. Just this week from Atlantic City, from the New Jersey Monitor, it says this, Federal authorities arrested former Atlantic City Council President and Democrat operative Craig Calloway Thursday, alleging he masterminded a mail-in ballot fraud scheme in the run-up to the 2022 election. U.S. attorneys accused Callaway and other unnamed subordinates of paying Atlantic City residents between $30 and $50 to act as authorized messengers and request mail-in ballots for voters whom they had never met. Prosecutors alleged that those ballots were later cast without the actual voters' knowledge. The charges appear to stem from work Callaway did for Representative Jeff Van Drew in the 2022 re-election campaign. There's no indication that Van Drew, the Republican, uh, knew anything about the alleged scheme. Holding free and fair elections is the bedrock principle of our democracy, U.S. Attorney Philip Selinger said in a statement. He went on to say, as alleged in the complaint, the defendant attempted to deprive New Jersey residents of a fair election by fraudulently procuring and casting ballots. Today's charges reflect our office's commitment to hold to account those who try to undermine the electoral process. Prosecutors did not seek to detain Callaway before trial, though he must provide a $50,000 appearance bond, forego international travel, and avoid contact with others involved in the case as conditions of his release. Megan Davies, Callaway's attorney, declined to provide immediate comment. Both parties agreed to a continuance order that would delay further proceedings until March 29th. In-person voting, voter ID, and new state laws are needed right now. And right now is the time to make that happen. You need to call your General Assembly. They're in session right now, but not, they're not going to be there long. And when they're out this time, the opportunity to secure the 2024 election, it's gone. Speaking of elections and strategies, Dan Schultz with PrecinctStrategy.com, he's coming up with some ideas on how you can get involved to make the difference. I've mentioned the New Green Deal a couple of times this week and how it has uh, been put into the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, We see state governments making it illegal for using gas stoves. Uh, The federal government is trying to make us buy electric cars and paying big bucks for windmills all over the place. 
personally, I have no problem with any of those things on their own. I'm for a clean environment, and you probably are too. But I say let the market dictate the pace. Don't tell me what I have to do and what I have to drive and when I have to drive it. Build the infrastructure to support electric vehicles and let the free market determine that pace. Well, we're starting to see some of that happening now. We saw last month car companies are starting to push back as they lose billions in electric car production because not enough people want them, and maybe it's more not enough people can afford them. Well, there's trouble blowing in the wind, too. There was a story in Zero Hedge on Wednesday written by Tyler Durden. It's a good article. Um, Go see it if you can. Uh, Go to zerohedge.com. He talks about how Joe Biden's schemes are unraveling on his wind power plans. And he quotes this from Bloomberg in that piece. When President Joe Biden in 2021 laid out a target of deploying the 30 gigawatts of offshore wind capacity during the next nine years, the plan was deemed as bold and ambitious. Best of all, many saw it as within reach. Now, two years later, the industry has another word for it. Impossible. After a cascading series of setbacks from sobering cost revisions to billions in possible impairment charges, the U.S. offshore wind industry's 2030 generation goal now looks further away than ever. First, Biden's car initiative fails. Now the wind. What next? On with the Zero Hedge article. The Biden administration is facing increasing pressure to take action to bolster the offshore wind industry after a major project was canceled in New Jersey this week, although options appear limited to ease financial hurdles facing developers. Developers are taking billion-dollar losses due to the industry's exploding costs and the dropping value of its assets. Two companies in Massachusetts, they walked away from deals that they said would never cover costs. New York regulators rebuffed attempts to renegotiate contracts with wind companies for higher prices, casting uncertainty over the future of business to support offshore wind construction. But the biggest sign of trouble came Tuesday when Orsted, the largest offshore wind developer in the United States, said it will completely abandon its offshore wind development in America. Everything Biden touches is a disaster. But let me ask you this. How long before the Republican House, with their power of the purse, bails out the wind industry too? What? You didn't think that could happen? I didn't think Republican senators would be a part of legalizing legal immigration until this week. Did you? Everything that's going on is a mess. And that's what we're about here, bringing you some truth on The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. And listen up to this. Right now, it looks like the government's pushing for a digital dollar, too, which could mean every penny you spend could be tracked and controlled by that same government. If that's true, then your entire life could depend on people you don't know, like, or trust. That's why smart Americans are opting out and putting some of their savings into real gold and silver. 
So to help, you can go to BookerLikesGold.com to get a free 2024 Gold IRA kit from my new partners at GoldCo. It shows you how to protect your hard-earned money with physical gold and silver, even if it's still in a retirement account. And as an American citizen, you could score up to $10,000 in free silver just for safeguarding your savings. At the very least, arm yourself with knowledge about your options here. Don't be a sheep. Go to BookerLikesGold.com now to get your free 2024 Gold IRA kit. Well, those court cases for Donald Trump, there was one good, one bad. Attorney Eric Matheny will join us next. He's going to tell us about it. More Truth Be Told with Booker Scott in minutes on America Out Loud. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health and supporting gut health, to reducing the appearance of wrinkles, and even improving mind, mood, and energy. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott. I am Booker Scott. Don't forget to go to AmericaOutloud.news. Go to the shop there. Use the promo code OUTLOUD. Also, the brand new show, Unleashed, the political news hour. It launched last night. It will be back on tonight at 7 o'clock. Well, if you saw on Tuesday, February 6th, Uh, There was some bad news for Donald Trump in the D.C. Circuit, where three judges ruled against him and for Jack Smith in that immunity case. There was also some good news for Donald Trump that came out of South Florida with Judge Cannon. I'm no attorney, but 
I try to find people that can answer questions for us, and I think I've done that. Uh, Eric Matheny is going to join us now. You may know Eric if you're on social media. He is a huge social media influencer. He has a podcast, and Eric, welcome, and start with telling everybody where they can watch your podcast and then kind of roll into this D.C. circuit. Yeah, it's always funny being called an influencer. If you're influenced by me, I question your judgment. It's like I, I would not belong to any club that would have me as a member. Well, I, don't, um, I didn't know how else to describe it. <laughs> you, you have a huge following. What about that? I, I, I appreciate it, and I, I, I love being called whatever I can be called at my age. If you're called <laughs> anything other than, hey, you, it's a, it's a huge boon. Um, anyway, my name's Eric Matheny. You guys can follow me on Twitter. I refuse to call it X. It's still the old Twitter to me. At Eric M. Matheny. Yeah. Hey, hell no, man. It's like, it's like if you grew up with a stadium, you're going to call the stadium what it was when you were a kid. Down to 15,000 different corporate brands you've been since then. So that being said, I'm Eric M. Matheny on Twitter. Uh, Gab, Truth Social, you name it, you know, all the platforms. And we have Bob and Eric Save America, our podcast. Download us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and check us out on Rumble. And we stream live on Twitter every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. And did I even mention that you're an attorney in South Florida? I don't know that I did, um, but you are an attorney in South Florida. So let's get into this D.C. Circuit decision. We had a three-to-nothing decision. Two of those ju- two of the judges were appointed by Joseph Biden, and the third one, I believe, was George Bush, uh, the second George Bush, if I'm not mistaken on that. So what was the decision? I believe it is a stay until around February 12th that Donald Trump's attorneys will be able to respond to that to work up an appeal to the Supreme Court? Well, that's precisely it. Procedurally, that's what's going to happen. So the the defense obviously gets an opportunity to respond. They, they're probably going to take it up to the Supreme Court, which I think regarding anything, including the prosecution of a former president, and, you know, mind you, we're in unprecedented territory. This has never in U.S. history ever happened before. And we have a president facing 91 felony counts, four separate charges, or four separate cases, rather, two federal and two state, one in New York, one in Georgia. And they have until, I think it's February 12th or 13th, to issue um, a response and then obviously take an appeal up to the Supreme Court. But the D.C. Uh, Circuit Court of Appeals basically said, they call them citizen Trump. They said, you don't have that immunity um, because you're no longer president. I think the issue that a lot of people are wondering is, you know, these are acts allegedly that occurred while he was the president. Um, so with that being said, uh, I think it does create some issues um, certainly opening the door that any president can be prosecuted if, you, if you're if you not immune from the actions that you carry out when you're in office, um, namely in furtherance of the office. You know, you have to draw a distinction between what's in furtherance of the office and what's not. <clears throat> and certainly, um, he ha- I think as far as the January 6th stuff goes, um, he should have that immunity. Now, if they're alleging that after he was president, um, that he's showing people these documents. I mean, from a legal standpoint, um, I think I understand the reasoning, although I disagree with the prosecution entirely. And especially when you look at things that, that you know, Clinton has done and Biden has done. I mean, mm-hmm. Presidential Records Act, I believe, is pretty clear on that issue. Um, but I do understand the immunity, in this, especially with respect to the documents case, is how uh, they're alleging that these acts took place after he left office. And that's really the distinction they're drawing. And ultimately, it's the Supreme Court that's going to rule on that. I think a lot of people, maybe some people listening to this right time, right now, uh, sometimes don't understand that when you go to the Supreme Court or even the, a D.C. Circuit Court like this, it's a very narrow question that they are 
being asked to rule on. And the question here, I guess, is does is there absolute immunity for the president? Is that correct? Well, not not necessarily would there be absolute immunity for the president. It really depends on on what the president is doing. Is it within the scope of the office of the president? And certainly if it takes place after his term in office is over, um, he certainly may not enjoy that immunity. Um, Mind you, we've never dealt with this issue before. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Supreme Court rules on it. The Supreme Court has not been great on these issues, even though, you know, we fought very hard for Kavanaugh and, and Tony Barrett and, and the like, and they've certainly let us down on numerous occasions. But I think um, ultimately, I, I really, in, in all his cases, I think with the exception of the of the Stormy Daniels one, I think he can probably beat that on a motion to dismiss just due to the ambiguity in the law and the way it was prosecuted and filed. I, I think the J6, uh, the Georgia case, and certainly the documents case are going to uh, be resolved by a jury. I don't I don't see them being dismissed or any grant of immunity being entered prior to them going before a jury. Eric, I have never thought that any of these cases, with the exception maybe of the civil case in New York, would be resolved prior to the election. Uh, what's your feeling on that? What's your gut telling you? Um, well, you know, the the due process in, in this country for a criminal defendant is really enjoyed by the defendant, the state has has less due process as far as what's afforded to the defendant because it's the state and that can be the federal government or the actual state government stands in a position to take away your freedom. So we, we give defendants a lot of rights and certainly due process and preparing and being adequately informed and ready to pr- for you know defend against the charges. Um, if the attorneys need a continuance, I think the judges are going to err on the side of caution and give it to them. Uh, no judge wants to be reversed on, uh, yeah, like, hey, man, like you should have given the guy more time to prepare. Um, obviously, you have with uh, with Jack Smith trying to limit the scope of discovery that Trump's team is entitled to. So, you know, they, they're having to do a lot on their own, doing having to do a lot of investigation, a lot of FOIA requests, a lot of public records requests. So the judges have to give them adequate time in which to do that. Now, granted, federal court moves a lot faster than state court. I don't anticipate any of these cases going to trial before November unless a judge really wants to be bold and put themselves out there and run the risk of being reversed and say, nope, you know, you're going you're, You better be ready. Um, mind you, you know, these documents cases, I've heard there's something like a million documents to go through And the January 6th stuff. I mean, they want to go through all the January 6th testimony. And that's all essential. That's all critical in, in how this case is, is evo- eventually tried. So I think that um, I, I'm sure and, and I understand that it's in Trump's best interest to postpone it until after the election, because obviously if he wins the election, the federal cases are done. Yeah, Those are done. He, he's going to pardon himself or he's going to they invoke the 25th Amendment. His vice president is going to pardon him and then he'll become whatever they have to do. Right. Or, or just his attorney general is going to just just dismiss the case. So it, it's over. Um, the Georgia case and the New York case, the state cases, those could still proceed. But if he is found guilty, they're going to stay his sentence until he's out of office. So. Um, and really at that juncture, I think he's, he's free and clear, but obviously we want to get him to the finish line and get him there because we know, look, you know, people thinking he's going to beat 91 counts. He's not, nobody beats 91 counts, especially in DC, especially in front of these juries. Like they're going to get him on something. And now if they try him over the summer and he's convicted, is he going to go to prison? No, of course not. They're going to stay at pending appeal. He's not a flight risk. He's not going to prison then, but you know, unfortunately if he loses the election, then, 
the Supreme Court, uh, which ultimately I think will be the deciding vote on this, says you know there were no errors committed in your in your criminal case, you're, you're good to go. Then the sentence can be imposed at that point, and I do think they are going to be looking to put him in prison. It's not going to be you go to trial and get probation. No, they're looking to put him in prison for the rest of his life, at least on the J six stuff. Let's go back to the discovery that you mentioned. I believe you were referencing the South Florida case and Judge Cannon. At the same time that the D.C. Circuit, the the three-judge panel there, came out with that decision on Tuesday, at about the same time Judge Cannon in South Florida came out with the decision uh, of telling Jack Smith, you you have to present these documents in, in this discovery. Am I off on that or am I pretty close? No, you're pretty close. Um, look, you know, Judge Cannon is solid. She's, uh, she's a young judge. I just realized she's actually just a little bit older than me. Um, and I like to think I'm a young guy. But in any event, she, uh, you know, she she wants a fair process. And she understands that, you know, every move she makes is being analyzed. She's under the microscope. Like, you know, no federal judge has ever been in history. You never had a, a former president prosecuted. Uh, and she wants to give it uh, as much fairness uh, as possible and, and equal the playing field because anybody, especially I in criminal defense, would be the first to tell you the playing field is far from equal. The government is absolutely, you know, could overpower you as far as funding and resources and ability and access that they have. So she wants to make sure that the defense has access to the materials, that they are fully prepared, ready um, to go to trial. And, and you know, look, the last thing you want to do is, is get caught by surprise. There should be no surprises at trial. Every question you ask as a defense attorney, you should know the answer. Every exhibit, you should know what's going to be admitted. No surprises. And then he's got top-tier legal talent. He's paying them a lot of money, and they're going to do their job. And the judges, if she's going to be reversed on appeal, it's not going to be on a discovery issue. It's going to be on something that happens during the course of the trial. But she's certainly not going to limit their discovery and give him more ammunition for appeal. Judges don't like to have their cases turned over on appeal, do they? No, it's a mark against them. And nobody likes that. And they, they're very cautious of that. It looks bad. It looks bad on them. It looks bad on their judicial record. It looks like they don't know what they're doing. So she's going to err on the side of caution. And you know, good, cautious judges are going to err on the side of caution for the defense because the defense has the right of appeal. If Trump's found not guilty at trial, this, the government doesn't get to appeal that. If he's found guilty, he gets to appeal that. Judge Cannon was appointed by uh, President Trump, I guess. I would love to see a guy like Mike Davis as attorney general uh, should President Trump win the election in November. I think he would clean up a lot of things. Uh, Let's go to this 1512C uh, that has slowed down some of these cases. Uh, This has to do with January 6th defendants. Can you tell people a little bit about that just so they understand when they see 1512C what that is talking about? With regard to the to the J six defendants, yeah, the J six defendants, which also brings in Trump, uh, kind of pushing back some of his cases as well and slowing them down. Is that uh, are we referring to the witness tampering statute? Yes, yes. Okay, yeah. So, so U.S. Code eighteen U.S. Code fifteen twelve is tampering with a witness, which basically means that um, influencing or trying to prevent the testimony of someone else. So. Um, with with respect to now, I haven't heard of this in the news. You'll have to prompt me on this. Is this with respect to Trump and his co-defendant? No, it was uh, two J Sixers that brought this case, and because of it, it has sort of set aside Jack Smith in Washington D.C. until probably June. 
uh, because it ties, it brings in Trump into this 1512C debate and argument. Um, but if you if you don't know much about it, we'll, we'll keep moving. Because I hadn't heard, yeah, I hadn't heard anything about it. Um, I mean, obviously, I think it's. I know there's certainly concerns about you know it, witnesses trying to influence the testimony of others, and certainly he's got co-defendants, so that may be an aspect to it. But I haven't really heard anything in the news about that particular provision. Okay, well, let's move on to Fannie Willis. Fannie, I don't, how do you pronounce it? First, help me with that because I get so irritated with people on television, Fannie and Fannie. I just want to call her Fannie or Fatty. Uh, but I, <laughs> what's going on with her? Well, you know, she's a she's a dirty bird, man. She had an affair with a guy who's working for her office, and apparently spent a lot of taxpayer money on trips for them and things like that. Um, I think her career is over, but as far as this extending to any prosecutorial misconduct that could result in a dismissal of the Georgia charges. I don't see that. Um, likely what's going to happen is another prosecutor is going to be executive assignment, basically. Another prosecutor is going to be, um, is basically going to be handling this matter. Do you think she's going to be, circuit. do you think she gets out of there that, that you say her political career is over? Is that going to happen now? Are they going to expel her in Georgia? Uh, well, I think the governor has the right to, you know, here in Florida, our, our governor, Ron DeSantis, has done that to quite a few prosecutors who he feels are not upholding the law. So certainly that can happen. But as far as it goes in Georgia, um, certainly she could be recalled. She could be suspended. Um, the, the Georgia bar could take action against her. There are a number of ways she could be removed. Um, and certainly the, the governor, uh, Brian Kemp, I don't think he would because he's no, no. fan of Trump, no. uh, would have does have the authority to remove her for any kind of impropriety like that. But uh, ultimately, it could go to a you know referendum back to the voters, and they could be basically going route, um, or even the Georgia State Bar can come in if they find any misconduct. I mean, obviously, if she was uh, you know abusing, ha- having an affair is not you can't get disbarred for having an affair. You know, the, the bar doesn't regulate taste, but certainly they can regulate things as far as uh, you know was she using taxpayer money or right. abusing her duty as a fiduciary to the people of Georgia. And I think that's the case. And I don't believe Brian Kemp has enough backbone. Uh, I don't know what, about his feelings about Trump, but I just don't believe he has enough backbone to to get her out of there. I think it's going to take uh, the state Senate in Georgia probably to do something to get rid of Fonny, Fanny, whatever you want to call her. Uh, you're listening to Eric Matheny. Eric, tell everybody about your podcast one more time, where they can watch it. And uh, thank you so much for joining us here in the conversation. Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Please check us out on Rumble and on Google Podcasts and iTunes, Bob and Eric Save America. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Gab, uh, Cloud Hub, and Truth Social and Getter at Eric M. Matheny. More Truth Be Told is coming in minutes. We're going to get into Precinct Strategy 101 with attorney Dan Schultz. It's on the way. Truth in Minutes on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Yeah. Expert opinions, honest debate, and in-depth investigations are what you've come to expect from AmericaOutloud.news. We don't shy away from speaking the truth boldly and plainly. All that's missing is the propaganda that has infected legacy and social media. Get the best of down and dirty, wholesome American speak. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the CofixRx banner on americaoutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, americaoutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. Welcome back to the program here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm Booker Scott. Thanks so much for joining us. And don't forget to download the app for AmericaOutloud.news. You can find great shows from Dr. Peter McCullough there, Tony Schaefer, Tom Renz, many, many more articles all day, 365 days a year. Go to your Play Store, either one of the phones, and download America Out Loud Talk Radio. And, you know, sometimes all these things that we talk about here on the network, it, it can feel overwhelming. You may ask yourself, what can I do? I'm, I'm just one person here. I can't make a difference. What's that old saying? How do you eat an elephant? Well, you do it one bite at a time. And, you know, millions of people taking one little tiny bite can make a huge difference. And one of those people is an attorney and the important thing is what he has done on his own, and that's created a website to give you ideas and resources on specific ways and things that you can do to take your own bite out of that elephant. I'm talking about Dan Schultz, and he is here. Dan, welcome to the program, and I'm glad that we were finally able to connect to do this segment because I think it's pretty important. Well, thanks a lot for having me. When, when people look, I just mentioned that you can become so overwhelmed and you started this website and the whole purpose of it is to give people resources and give people things that they can specifically do to make a difference because obviously we need to do something in this country to make a difference and as you look at the republican party it doesn't seem like it really represents so many of us anymore what is your objective with the website the objective is twofold first um the rnc and most of the state party chairs do not want you to know that over half, well over half of the precinct committeeman slots, the voting member slots of the party apparatus, which are volunteer positions, are vacant. 
Mm-hmm. And they, they, they're hoping that you will not figure that out. So what I've done is I've put three things on my website that um, the GOP.com website, the RNC's website, and most of the state party websites don't have. So first, I explain why and how, if you're a Republican and you're a conservative, you might want to get involved in the party apparatus. So why and how to become a precinct committeeman, that's right at the top of my website. And then after that, I explain how to find your local committee. Most people don't realize that, wow, if I live in a county or if I live in a city, there may be an actual Republican Party committee made up of what are called committeemen in most states, and they are the party apparatus. They get to vote for who the county chairman is. They get to vote for if it's a legislative district committee like I'm in in Arizona that the legislative district chairman and other officers as well. And then the precinct committeemen also elect the electors of the state chairman who serves on the RNC. And they also elect every four years, but in some states it's every two years, but most it's four. At the state presidential nominating convention, they elect the delegates who in turn elect the national committeemen and the national committee woman for the state. There's three people from each state who are on the RNC, and they also elect the national convention delegates. So if you really want to change things politically inside the party, there's only one way to do it, not throwing money at the party. They they, they, yeah. they, they want your money, believe me, they sure. want your money. That's really but all they better want. To be, yeah, it's better to become an owner of the party, not just a donor. You're an owner when you're a voting member of the party apparatus. They hope you don't figure that out. And then the other thing you get to do is you are in the absolute best position to help boost turnout in the all-important, usually very low turnout primary election that every incumbent has to run in. Every incumbent has to win two elections, first the primary than the general. So, for example, in California, in Kevin McCarthy's congressional district, the turnout of Republicans was less than 25% in the primary. So if all of the other Republicans who didn't turn out had turned out and voted for one of the other Republicans in that primary, they could have taken out Kevin right then and there. Mm -hmm. And we, and we could be doing that for all of these uniparty Republicans, these fakes who don't do anything. They don't fight for us anymore. And whose fault is that? It's our fault for not changing the party. And it's our fault for not getting involved in the primaries to elect better Republicans. So that's what the precinct committeeman strategy is all about. I explain it at my website at precinctstrategy.com. I've written a book about it. Uh, what I learned in seventh grade civics, you can get it via the website. Um, it's short, it's to the point. And, and then I also, and then the third thing I have at the website is now a communications and collaboration platform for precinct committeemen and America firsters who want to get involved in the party. The party doesn't provide any software to the, to the, the precinct committeemen in each state so that once they become precinct committeemen, they can easily communicate with one another. The Democrats do, but the Republican Party doesn't. Why do you think that is? Well, it's because they don't want us communicating easily. 
So a friend of mine built that for us, Robert Beatles. He's a precinct committeeman in Washoe County, Nevada. And it's uh, it's hosted on a site called pill.net. And uh, it's private and it's secure. It's not on big tech. So I have those three things at my website, why and how to become a precinct committeeman, how to, how, how, how to find your local committee. And then once you've done that and gotten involved, now you can start communicating with one another. I think a lot of people don't understand the importance of what you're talking about. So many people say, well, I'll go vote. And the, what you're talking about is being involved in the process to select the right type of candidates. And if you're not at the precinct level and you're not involved in the party, in that apparatus, then all you're going to do is vote for the same people that we always vote for. And we're not going to get any change. So if, if the things that we see happening to our children are important to you, and the things that we see our government doing, regardless of what it is that you're frustrated with, if you want all those things to change, the only thing you can do is get involved. You realize that we don't have a movement unless people are moving, and we need more people moving, and this precinctstrategy.com is a way that you can easily get involved. Let's, let's go back to that apparatus a minute, because it's something that I talk about quite a bit. You mentioned the three... Uh, chairman of each state. And you look at Ronna McDaniel and she was reelected and so many of us really didn't want her to have another opportunity at that. She has lost consistently. She doesn't help candidates that we would like for her to help. And so when it came time for a vote, to me, it was very obvious she was going to win again. And the reason why is because there aren't enough of us at the precinct level, in the local level of the GOP and the RNC. We shouldn't complain about the establishment. We should become the establishment. And until we understand that we are the they and the them that we continue to complain about, nothing is going to change, is it, Dan? Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly right. So there's only 168 people who determine who the RNC chairman is. And those are the 168 members of the RNC. They can elect anybody they want. It doesn't even have to be a, a Republican. It can be anybody. But uh, it doesn't have to be a member of the RNC. But those are the people who do it. So how do those people become RNC members? Well, they get elected by precinct committeemen who elect the electors of those three people. It works differently in each state. It's unique in each state. But fundamentally, it's the people who get into the party. And like I said, there's this huge power vacuum in the party, about 400,000 of these slots. It's all explained at my website at precinctstrategy.com. There's about 400,000 of these slots all across the country and in five territories and in DC. They also get three representatives, five territories, DC and the 50 states. Multiply that uh, 56 times three, you get 168. So the precinct committeemen in each state caused that to happen. If you want to change the Republican Party, there is only one way to do it. You've got to get involved mm. as a volunteer precinct committeeman. So you're in a position to cast a vote for the electors of the RNC. Right now, there's about 200,000 slots that are filled. About 50% are Conservatives, about 50% are non-conservatives. Let's just call them what they really are, Republicans in name only, rhinos. That's just a fact. 
They're really not Republicans. They're posers. If we took 200,000 of us who are not in the party, who, who are like Trump supporters or conservatives, and fill those volunteer slots, the volunteer position doesn't cost a dime, then the dynamic goes from not 50-50 in a half-strength party, but now it's 75% majority conservative and full strength. So we'll be in a better position to change the party internally. We'll elect everybody. So the RNC will become a 75% majority conservative RNC, and we'll be in the best position to boost turnout with the software they give us uh, as precinct committeemen to boost turnout in the primary for the best Republican candidates, the ones who really believe in our party platform, unlike most of them who are now in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. The first half of this hour, we had uh, Representative or hope to be Representative Mike Cargile from California, District 35. He, he called them libertarians. Uh, he, he said these, these people that pretend to be conservatives or Republicans are nothing more than libertarians that have taken over the party. And taking over the apparatus and the establishment is the only way. And it requires everyone that's listening to this right now, you have to do something. You have to get involved and be a part of this so that we can make the changes in this country. You know, I get a lot of phone calls from people because I've been advocating for this for a couple of years like you have, Dan. And uh, people will ask me, what do I do? How do I help? And I'll give them suggestions. And, and then they get frustrated because of what they find on the other end, which is uh, an RNC in their local community that won't respond uh, the systems are antiquated. The people working there are old. They don't return phone calls. And this can go on for months and months and months until they finally just have to go to the office. And we have to put young blood, new blood into the system, into the apparatus to make a huge difference in the party so that we can make a difference in the country. If we want a government for the people, by the people, of the people, the only way to do it is have the people moving and working. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um the missing ingredient right now in saving the republic is <clears throat> conservatives not in our party. And um, I made this up, this malady that conservatives seem to suffer from. It's I call it CPPPDS, Conservative Political Party Participation Deficit Syndrome. <laughs> they like to talk about politics, sure. but they don't do politics. And right. the doing of politics is filling up the vacant precinct committeeman slot. So I always say this at the end of my podcast, when, whenever I speak, if, if I have time to say it, look, one of two things are going to happen. We're either going to save the republic or we're not this election cycle. And I firmly believe that if we fill up all these vacant precinct committeeman slots, we're going to greatly increase our chances of saving the republic. Will we save it? My crystal ball is not that good. I don't know. There's other things that could happen, but we'll be in a better, much better, much better, much better position because we'll finally have a political party that's ours. But the flip side of that coin, my crystal ball is very good because I studied communism. I was an intelligence officer in the army, counterintelligence guy and a human intelligence guy. And I studied communism. We're going through a soft coup. It's happening right in front of our sure. eyes. The communists are taking over. And if we don't first take over the Republican Party, I can guarantee that we're going to lose the Republic. One question I ask quite frequently when I'm speaking to people is if you honestly believe that right now is the time 
that if we don't do something, the country will be lost, what would you be doing different? Would you be talking about it or would you be doing? You know, do is a verb and we don't have enough people doing right now. And if it really, if the country's future really mattered to you in 2024 is the drop dead time for an election, what would you be doing different? And so the question is, why aren't people doing more? Well, I think part of it is a lot of people just don't know what to do because they didn't get taught civics like I did. I was lucky in 1968 and 1969, I was in seventh grade in public school in Wisconsin. And we were taught all of what you and I are talking about right now. It was taught to us. And my teacher told us at the end of the course, okay, kids, now I've equipped you for what you need to know if our country ever gets into a political crisis. I've told you that what you need to do is find the political party of your choice and then get involved in it. Because if if we're in a political crisis, it's because we're electing bad people and we have to replace them with better people. And the way to do that is through our two-party system. And of course, there, there can be third parties, but essentially we have a two-party system. The America First Party is the Republican Party, but America Firsters are not in charge of it. Yeah. yeah, Donald Trump's not in charge of it. And, and they may got to get in charge of it. They may not even be involved in it. You said that a few minutes ago. We have to be involved in it. It seems like so many of us want to complain about the establishment, but we don't want to be part of the establishment. And and I argue that we should become the establishment. It's the only way, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, it is. And so once you get involved in the party and you get organized and united at the precinct level, you can do things like I've been able to do in my precinct. In 2020, the average turnout in a precinct was 65% of all eligible voters and 71 or 72% of all Republican voters. But in my precinct, we got over 90% of Republicans to go to the polls because we targeted the Republicans who just needed that extra little friendly nudge from a fellow Republican in the precinct, reminding them, hey, don't forget to vote. Don't forget to vote. We All we did was we targeted those people who you look at their voter profile, and you can see that, well, they just don't normally vote in the presidential election, or they only do it 50% of the time. Those are the people that we targeted. And so we got up to over 90%. And three other precincts in my legislative district uh, out of 42, four of us out of 42, we got over 90%. We could do that in every precinct if we had enough warm bodies. And And that only involved three hours of each of our time, three hours, one hour worth of phone calls, and then two hours of dropping flyers off at their doors of these households, reminding the people to go vote. If we can get organized and united sufficiently to do that, then there's no reason why we can't, because we have this organizational tool now that Robert Beatles provided to us. Like I said, the only thing holding us back, we don't have enough people. And if we can get enough people to fill up those 200,000 vacancies, we have a shot. If that doesn't happen, uh, I, I can guarantee we're going to lose the country. Yeah, and I agree with you. And it needs to be done now. It, you can't wait. You know, the work is taking place right now, and I guarantee you the other side is working their butts off right now to beat us. And and they're well-organized, they're well-funded, all of those things, but for us to have a grassroots effort, 
a successful grassroots effort, we need you to check out this website. Yeah, I have state information for all states. Some states I don't have very much. Others I have a lot of good stuff. Uh, I, I put on the site what I can find on the internet or what people send to me. So, you know, if everybody would just go to my site, precinctstrategy.com, and spend, you know, a half hour, they're going to learn more probably about basic American civics than they've ever learned in their life. Because like I said, they're not teaching it anymore in schools. I can't tell you how many times. I, I, I have this button that I put on when I go and speak, and, ju- and it just has in big black letters, PC. And people will say to me, so are you politically correct and i go no i'm a precinct committee (laughs) and then they go what's a precinct committee man dan it's been great to get together with you i really appreciate you making the time to do it great information tell everybody the website again and thank you so much for joining us yeah it's precinctstrategy.com precinctstrategy.com thanks a lot we started this hour talking about the republican party being in shambles i believe it do you and if you do Why not be a part of the fix? Uh, Go to precinctstrategy.com, check it out, try to get involved if you're able, if it's it's possible for you. Uh, Get involved at precinctstrategy.com. A special thank you to Eric Matheny for joining us, and also there, Dan Schultz. Coming up tonight at 9, it's After Dark with Robin Andrew. At 8, it's the National Security Hour. And at 7 o'clock, coming up next, here in just a second, It's Unleashed, the political news hour. My name is Booker Scott. Thanks a lot for joining us here every night at 6 or on a podcast wherever you found us there. You were told 2,000 years ago that you are the salt of the earth. In salt without flavor, it has no value. So keep being salty. There is only one truth. You've been listening to The Truth Be Told with Booker Scott on America Out Loud. 